One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like, truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Well, hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I'm Dori Shafrier. And we are not experts. No, we're not. But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And welcome to the show. And this is the part of the show where I'm going to quickly tell you all the business. And then Give we'll me the it. business, then- Kate. I'm going to give you the biz and then we'll get on with the actual show. Okay. Number one, you can visit our website, which is forever35podcast.com, where you'll find links to everything we mentioned on the show. You can follow us on Twitter at forever35pod and you can follow us on Instagram where the action is at forever35podcast. There's also more action in the Forever 35 Facebook group where the password is serums. There's a lot of action there. Oh, it's hot. It's action packed. If you want to reach us, we have a voicemail and a text number. It is 781-591-0390. You can also email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com, where you can also send us a voice memo. And look, if you like this show, if we keep you company 
throughout the week, or even if you're just an occasional drop-in listener, we really appreciate a review on Apple Podcasts. So thank you in advance for doing that. Sincerely, Kate and Dory. XOXO. Heart, heart. <laughs> we love you. Okay, yes. Dory, we're here. Let's do this. Kate, we both have we both have taken up new hobbies this week. But are they old hobbies that are new again? Yes. Right? They are, are new old re- hobbies. We're like re-rediscovering ourselves. Yes. I had a thought about this last night, which is that like maybe this is middle age. Oh, uh it, it this is a hundred percent middle age, which you is know? like this like dabbling in things and like trying things except no like you said it's stuff that we've that we've done before so mm-hmm. i actually view it as like going back to our true authentic selves oh interesting oh that's interesting so so the hobby that you are focusing right on right now piano playing do you yes. believe that to be your authentic self or well, do you believe it to be like your your childhood self I think I I do think that our childhood selves are often our authentic selves before they get corrupted by peer pressure and you know all that all the stuff all the stuff well, that comes around like middle school. Sure. So here's a question for you. When I was yes. in when I was in second grade, I asked my parents if I could take bagpiping lessons and they couldn't find a bagpiping teacher, so I took a, I took recorder, a private lesson, <laughs> private lessons in recorder, and then I took clarinet, but I hated it. Do you think I should revisit my dream of being a bagpiper? Do you still have that dream? I don't. I don't okay. still think about playing the bagpipes. I think I, I I don't think you should revisit that. But I am riding horses, and that yes. is my childhood passion. Yes. See, oh, yeah, you're right. You're exactly, right. exactly. You're right. I don't know. It's really interesting to me. And so, you know, I'd gotten this piano a couple of years ago. Matt got it for me for my birthday, and I played it. It's an electric piano. It's a Roland electric piano. And the reason I got the one that I got is because. It's not like a regular keyboard where the keys feel like plasticky and and kind of light. Like the whole point of this piano keyboard is that the the keys feel like real piano keys. Mm-hmm. And for the most part they kind of do. Um and I played it for a bit and then I just kind of stopped. Okay. And then recently in a Facebook group that you and I are both in actually a, a, a mom group that you and I are in, someone had posted about piano lessons or they wanted to take piano lessons and i was like i this is something i've been thinking about for a long time i should just take some piano lessons and it's actually especially easy right now because you can take piano lessons over zoom so i reached out to one of the teachers that was recommended in the thread and we're going to have our first lesson on wednesday actually the night that this podcast airs Will be oh, my first the night this airs door will be tickling the ivories. Yes, exactly. I'm oh, looking forward to it. That's cool. I'm excited for you. She did she also teaches harp. So if I decide that Ooh. I'm not into piano, I could always take up the harp. I have a little bit of a fantasy of learning harp. Do you really? 
I have romanticized heart playing, but like that seems like an actually very hard thing to yeah, learn. Yeah, I feel like you do. would get so many calluses on your fingers. Which you, you know, maybe it's worth like it. Like a harp star. Yeah, they're so well, they they are large, <coughs> but so is a piano. My friend's daughter plays the harp, and when I was at her house pre-COVID, it I saw it, and it's like it takes up space like a grand piano. Like it is. Yes, it is, it is very, an imposing like, instrument. Yes, it's very ornamental and big. Yeah. It's beautiful, too. Yeah. Well, so this teacher, I think she is like mostly a harp teacher, but then she also teaches piano. And she said, I really only teach like beginner to intermediate piano. So depending on like where you're at, I might pass you off to my friend who's an amazing piano teacher. So TBD if she remains my forever piano teacher. But... I have a I have a date with her on Wednesday night. It's interesting this idea of like tapping back into a thing you did and enjoyed that got kind of lost in the shuffle of life. Yes, and you know, I feel like that has kind of been a theme over the last few years, like Broadway dance class. Mhm. Mm-hmm. You know, I took I took dance lessons as a kid, stopped right around the same time I stopped playing the piano. Well, please recall that I did have a brief stint in a tap dancing class I last I do year. recall that. I do. <laughs> Which I've never done. Yeah. Um, you know, I started taking tennis lessons again. I mean, I feel like I'm just one step away from community theater. Oh, you should totally do community theater. I mean, in LA, I feel like community theater would be very competitive. Uh, that's the thing. Like, I feel like I'm in the wrong place for community theater. I need to. I need to move to a small town. With no thespians. Mm, just like in Schitt's Creek, there's a whole community theater through line. You know, well, so anyway, that's... I get it. I get it. It's interesting. I, mean? I wonder what I wonder what the kind of like underlying psyche and motivation is. And is this a thing that happens? Like, I'm trying to remember my parents. Did they go through this in middle age? I feel like there is a comfort to it because you know what it else it is? It, it does feel like you're learning something new, but you're not starting from scratch. No, it's like, there's like a familiarity that's cozy. there's a muscle memory, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is nice. You know, like if I just decided to take up, I don't know, upright bass, <laughs> a beautiful instrument, a beautiful instrument that I long coveted, but is completely impractical for my lifestyle. Well, although the uh, one of the characters in a Dory's Hotel played the upright bass, if you oh recall. God, Dory. Oh <laughs> you always find a way to work your passions in. Well, but I will say, like, I have always wanted to dance and never did it, I think, in part because I never felt comfortable in my body and I never I felt kind of embarrassed and awkward. And so lear- I, know, I certainly don't know how to dance, but taking dance classes now as an adult has been really interesting. Like, that's something I didn't do as a kid. I yeah. never took dance class. Yeah. Um, so I do think there's also something to be said for learning an entirely new skill as an adult after we've conditioned ourselves to think we can't learn something new. Like I yes. first started playing basketball in my mid thirties and I'd never played it in my freaking life. And that it was is such a bonkers. good point too, which makes me think that I should definitely take a painting class. Yes, you should. I've been thinking about that too. I want to try a ceramics class. Oh my God. I tried a ceramics class. God, this was probably. 15 more 18 years ago or something because i was like ceramics looks so calming and fun and like you end up with this like beautiful pottery and i was so bad at it like Uh so bad at it that i was just like i i don't think i can do this 
It's not actually calming. It was not calming in the least. Seth Rogen makes it look very relaxing. But like then again, he also has his own like home pottery studio. Right. So, you know, the other thing is like as we're discussing this, you also have to have the time to do these things. Like Exactly. It would be and it, and you know they cost and they cost money too, uh-huh. but it's also yes. like you know I do think that people of our generation and younger, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. We've been conditioned to think not about hobbies but about side hustles. Yes, like everything has to have a purpose. Everything has to have a purpose. Everything has to be quote unquote productive. If it's you've not be good at it, you've got to be good at it. You've got to be making money at it, or there has to be the promise of making money at it. And there's there's no more. Like just doing something for the sake of doing it, just for your personal enjoyment. Yeah. And I want to like reclaim that. And not well, all, not all hobbies have to cost money. You know, well, I was, I was doing my tap dancing class through parks and recreation. It was, yeah. it was very, it was, uh, very affordable, which is why I did it. Totally. Totally. Well, in terms of hobbies that, that they, there is a, an entry price point to this one but it's one that i'm revisiting which is running that's my revisited hobby i am i'm running a little bit again i never thought i would i never thought i would because i hate it but yet i can't turn away i'm back back plodding along i really like this for you you know i appreciate that but i do want to say have you ever heard me say anything that you didn't like for me like do you ever hear me say something and you're like i don't like that for her Hmm. I guess what you know I what say is you know that, what I yes. didn't like for you, and I what? and I said this. What? I didn't want you to cut your hair. Oh, that's right. I know, and you know what? I regret it. I wish I had kept it long. I mean, it's still long, but I cut like a good four to five inches off, and yeah. I was like, oh, oh, why? You were right. God damn it! So there's an example <sighs> for you. That's true. You are very <laughs> honest with me about that. Okay, fair. I just like when you say that, that you love things for me. It makes me but feel I, good about myself. I would say 99% of the time, I'm in favor of whatever you're doing. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not, I'm a very slow runner. I'm never going to be fast. I know this about myself. I don't have like massive goals, but in the back of my brain has been a lifetime goal to run the Boston Marathon, which I think I've talked about on the show. Yes, you have. And that is, comes from a place of growing up in a town that is very it's a very big part of the marathon the marathon goes right through my town i watched it every year it's same a very, it's a very same. emotional experience yes like, even living in new york and, and watching the new york city marathon like that's beautiful but like boston is another level of emotion i think it's so moving and magical i would not be able to qualify for it because i'm too slow of a runner so i would have to um, become part of a team that's like raising money, which I would be thrilled to do. So in the back of my brain, I'm like, well, maybe if I keep plodding along and my knees don't hurt, I could train for the Boston Marathon someday. Yeah. But right now I'm running two miles once a week. Great. Hey, you know what? You got to start somewhere. You do. And I did want to give a plug for the shoes that I wear running because I do think well, you know who was just talking about running on their Instagram and I really appreciated what they were saying is Ami Not So, past mm. podcast. Um, they're running and like was was just talking about kind of how it's been helpful for mental health and and just become kind of part of a routine and that's how I feel. But anyway, I noticed that we share a sneaker. And so my preferred sneaker is a Hoka, a Hoka one. I wear the Clifton. 
if anyone's really interested. Okay. Uh, but they are, or excuse me, the, the full brand name is Hoka 1-1. And mm. it is the most comfortable running shoe. It's like running, I don't, uh, it, it's a very big shoe. You look like you're wearing okay. couch cushions for shoes, but they, they're they the best. So I just wanted to give a little shoe plug. Oh, before we take a break, can I ask a question? Yes. Should I watch Ginny and Georgia on Netflix? Can some can someone just tell me if I should? Isn't this the show that Taylor Swift got her fans all like agitated about because there was some like throwaway line about Taylor Swift? Oh, yes, maybe. I like, think it someone was. has more boyfriends than yes. Taylor Swift. Yes, yes, yes. Taylor, come on. <laughs> it might be. I just keep hearing about it, but I keep hearing like these very mixed, strong opinions, but mm. also that everyone is like hooked on it. So I just need to know if I should do it. That's I had all. a similar question about Firefly Lane. <gasps> yes. I also want to know about that one. Yeah. I feel like I've read very mixed things. Very mixed. Okay, so but you know what? Speaking of Netflix, you know what is back? I don't. Shh, Diesel. Is that the show about the Hasidic woman? Hasidic. Well, it's it's about an ultra-Orthodox family in Israel. So there were two seasons that aired in Israel. And then like a few years later, Netflix buys it and airs it. And it becomes this global phenomenon, so much so that they get the cast back together and do a third season. Wow. Like, like six years later. That's cool. Yeah. So um, it just came out. I've only watched one episode so far, but it's great. It's a great show. Great rack. I'm still making my way through Call My Agent, so I'll get on Stiesel. Oh, you're still watching it? Slowly, but yes, I like it. You were right. It's good, right? Yeah, and also I'm attracted to everyone on the show. Uh, they're all very attractive. It's very overwhelming. Yeah, it's a lot. I and agree. they're attractive in a French way. Way. Okay. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? French people are yes, hot in their own way. I know, they're so French. Yeah. They're just French. They're I just, just love French. A, I just love a French. I sound well, crazy, but I love French. On that note. People. Yep, on that note. <laughs> on that note, let's take a break. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with the wonderful Kayleen Schaefer. I really enjoyed this conversation. I did too. We talk a lot about kind of what it means to be a millennial. Yeah. Yeah. And how hard it is. Yeah. Yeah. And our, you know, our modern age. Yeah. Get ready for a scintillating con. <laughs> All right. BRB. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
you know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly... Uh, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Superpower Short. The Superpower Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get okay, into it. Hey, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say like I I I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires and just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, "Oh god, like get this off of me." <laughs> No, thank once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it could like, be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. 
Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast, but I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college, so this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes, Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. Our guest today is Kayleen Schaefer. Kayleen, welcome to Forever 35. Thank you for having me, you guys. I've been yeah. listening forever. Yay. We're so excited to chat with you. Um, Kayleen is a journalist and the author of Text Me When You Get Home, um, which was widely praised as witty, timely, nimble, essential, and more by outlets such as Elle, The Washington Post, New York Times, NPR, BuzzFeed, and many others. She also wrote the best-selling Kindle single memoir, Fade Out. Her work has appeared in the New York Times, Vanity Fair, The New Yorker, Vogue, and many other publications. And her new book, But You're Still So Young, How 30-somethings Are Redefining Adulthood, is out now, and she lives in New York City. Ugh, Kayleen. (laughs) Excuse me. We're so excited to talk to you. I mean, for many reasons. For me personally, one of the reasons is because I feel like your book is such a good compliment to my book. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they they in your book you talk about 
so many of the themes that I touch on in my book, and it was so nice to read them from another perspective and to feel like reaffirmed. <laughs> um, so, so on a very selfish and personal level, thank you for writing this. I mean, I feel exactly the same way. I just think it's something in the air talking about yeah. the 30s and how we're redefining them and how they're different now than they ever have been. And, you know, you and I both lived through them in this sort of yeah. like test tryout period of figuring out adulthood in our own way. So I think that's really cool. And, you know, I have gotten a sneak peek at your book. Yeah. It's wonderful. Um, and so, yeah, I'm super excited to talk with you because we're speaking this we're speaking about the same thing. Yeah, totally. And, you know, you do, you write in your book about how the 20s have been this period that people have written about a ton, but not so much the 30s. And I mean, now your book is out, my book is out. Do you think we're about to kind of see a shift towards people thinking about the 30s more or the 30s, the new 20s when it comes to this stuff? <laughs> I think it's really interesting because like you do point out, the 20s have really been rethought. We're given this permission now to sort of like figure out who we are, you know, figure out where yeah. we want to live, what we want to do, you know, who we want to love. And all these like short term things are totally fine. You know, you could live somewhere for a few months. You could move to another continent. You know, you could have a job for a few weeks and be like, oh, I think that's not for me. And, yeah. and, you know, the more economic security you have, the more you, your freedom you're allowed. Um but it, it's just sort of a given that people will spend some part of their 20s at least in this just real like find yourself period. But then we get to age 30 and there's this idea of this age 30 deadline and you're like hitting a wall as far as like, oh my gosh, now I have to make it all come together. I have to be an adult now, now, now. But I think people who are living through the 30s now, certainly like I did and certainly like you did, we're saying like, hold on a minute. Like, I still need to work some stuff out. I want to go after these things that I want, and I want to make sure they're right for me, not just because of my age, but because, yeah. you know, internally, I, I know that I want them. And so I do think that the 30s are starting to be rethought. Um, but there's there's not a lot out there as far as, you know, like studies or science or a new name for this decade. Like it is very interesting, the lack of research that's gone into it. But I think it's because it's pretty new. You know, we're the first people going through it, living our 30s this way in, in large numbers. You know, it's happened before, obviously, on smaller scales. But, but really more people now are taking their 30s differently than adults in the past have lived them. Yeah. What was kind of your own personal experience? And, and you you share your own story woven throughout the book, but what was going on in your life that inspired you to really tackle these stories and experiences of 30-somethings? I was 39. So I was at the end of my 30s. And I wasn't unhappy with the way they'd gone. But I was also like, that didn't go like I thought it would. You know, like I talked about that age 30 deadline. I really thought, even though I had not lived my 20s uh, gearing myself up for this, but I really thought, turn 30, you know, I'm going to save a bunch of money. I'm going to really have this rock solid career. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids. I'm going to buy a house. Like I just thought, boom, boom, boom. I'm going to check all of these things off. But at the time, like, I wasn't ready to get married. I wasn't even sure I wanted to have children. 
you know, and, and my career was like, not really, <laughs> you know, I was fledgling. Um, so it's just, I had it in my head that this was what I had to do. Um, and, and I didn't, um, I took my time. Um, I talk about in the book, but sort of the inciting incident, I got laid off from a job and I, I really had the thought, and I think a lot of people do, that I will establish my career first, and then I'm going to kind of swing the rest of my personal life around it. You know, I'm going to decide. I'm going to use that yeah. as my anchor, and then, I'll, and then I'll know what I want with the rest of my life. And then when that anchor was gone, it just completely blew everything open. And I really, like, I was scared first, but I also felt a little bit free because I just didn't have to follow this checklist because I didn't have the one thing I thought I was going to have for sure. And so I got to go after what I wanted on my own timeline um, and check those milestones off that I that I really wanted to when I ended up near them. Yeah, the career stuff is so interesting because you and I both chose a career in an industry that is was changing, is changing very rapidly. So the careers that we may have thought we would have had in the industry when we were in our 20s, most of those jobs just don't exist anymore. And I think, you know, it's been especially, I think, sharply, it's it's been especially sharp in media to see that happen. But I think that's been the case in a lot of different industries. And you see the rise of the gig economy. And, you know, you talk about a lot of the, um, the subjects in your book are really struggling with career stuff. Um, so I'd love for you to talk about how how that has changed for people and what you kind of learned in both your research and your interviews with your subjects about that. Absolutely. It's a huge, huge part of the way that our 30s are being relived now. You, you just, I, I do think that this is a positive story and that we have choice now and that's a good thing. But you can't discount the fact that we don't have the same financial protection that generations yeah. before us did. You know, our, our wages aren't rising with the cost of living. Um, you know, we don't have the kind of protections. Um, you know, we get furloughed. We get asked to take pay cuts. We are the gig workers. We're the freelancers. Um, we, we don't have pensions. So, and we also have a massive amount of college debt, of student debt. Um, yeah. And, and so those things make it much harder to establish the sense of financial stability, which you can then feel comfortable saying, okay, maybe I am ready to take a romantic partner. Or I am ready to have children. Um, because if you feel financially shaky, you might say, well, what am I doing? How can I build anything on that? Um, and so in the book, I, I followed eight people for two years. And I tell my own story, but I also tell theirs. And every single one of them, um, like finances run through it. No matter, no matter, they're all in the middle class, but the middle class is so sprawling that, you know, one of the men in the book has thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars in student debt. And one of the women owns two homes, but they're still, mm -hmm. you know, like she wants to switch careers and also maybe be a single mom, but she doesn't know if she's financially able to. And he, he hasn't finished school, but he has all this debt so far. So he's still trying to go after this degree but still accumulating debt. And so you can just see the different ways that our financial situations affects our lives. I mean, it affects these milestones in, in such huge ways. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I really appreciated how you talked about, um, financial assistance mm-hmm. from family members and who, who was most likely to receive that assistance, how it's not discussed, how often it's not like having a trust fund of billions of dollars, but you point out it's like parents giving you their old car and paying the insurance and how that can truly alleviate financial challenges. So could you talk a little bit about about that, about what you found in that space? Of course. This is something, like you just said, that, that isn't talked about. And I am a little nervous about, you know, sharing my story. It's in the book. Um, but, you know, I worry like, oh, does it make me come off as spoiled and lazy? And I didn't work hard because, you know, the American dream and philosophy is obviously you work hard, you build the life that you want, you, you can, which just isn't true because we don't have the, the financial, like we don't have that solid financial back that people older than us did. And so a lot of us are getting help from our parents, like you said. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be a tremendous amount of help. You know, they can pay the cell phone bill. And in my case, I talk about how my parents gave me most of the money um, as a down payment for my one-bedroom apartment that I then lived in by myself. And it was incredible to have. I, I, but I talk about, you know, the first night when I closed on the apartment, I sat here I'm still in the apartment. I sat here on the floor drinking Prosecco from the bottle and was just so thrilled to be in this space that was mine. But I don't want to talk about it as far as saying that my parents didn't help me because they did. Because I think another person who is a journalist would say, well, why does she have that? And why don't I? Am I not working hard enough? And I think we're all overcome with a lot of like, well, I must not be working hard enough. I'm a garbage person because I'm not working all the time. One of the characters in the book says exactly that um, because it's it's really hard to watch other people, you know, seem to have more money and more opportunity than you do and not really know the whole picture. And in truth, Kate, what you also talked about, I mean, this is largely white people who are receiving money from their parents. You know, they the wealth transfer is happening from white boomers to their kids. And it's just, you know, people of color don't have the same amount of wealth to draw on. And so it's not equal, which yeah, and is one horrible. Of the, one of the interesting things you said, and I can't find it for the life of me, but um, it's it's sticking in my brain, is that, you know, 50 years ago, the, the job market was really secure and it was mostly white men and they were very well protected. And as the job market has diversified, um, things like unions are way are under much more attack. I mean, it's just it, the, there are so many systems at play that disadvantage people based on their race, based on gender identity. And, and that is never or that is still very much ignored and not talked about as we discuss like who's working the hardest and just pull those bootstraps up and hit the road. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The So this idea of adulthood comes from the 1950s. It turns out it was actually defined in the 1950s, these five steps that you needed to enter to be an adult. And I'll just list them off because everyone wants to know what are the five steps and you're going to mentally go through in your head, have I done these things? Um, So the first one is completing school. The second is leaving home. Um, The third is marrying. The fourth is becoming financially independent. And those can be flipped, of course. And the final step is having kids. 
And so you look at that definition. It was actually a definition. And most people in the 50s had checked that off by their late teens or early 20s at the latest. And we look at people doing that in mass and somehow romanticize the 1950s as this simpler time when people could have this comfortable middle-class life and do all those things, no problem. But if you take a closer look at it, it, like you said, you know, white men could have all of those things. White women usually only got them through marriage and people of color were just left out completely. Mm -hmm. So this idea that it was a simpler time, it's just, it's not true across the board. And I think, I think it really helps when you can look at that and see where that definition of adulthood is coming from, because I, I just, I couldn't figure out why I couldn't get away from this, you know, 1950s mm. ideal, like why it was so just strong in my head that I should be doing those things, even as I clearly was setting up my life not to do those as early as then or in that orderly fashion. I also thought oh, it was boy. really, yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I just need to get that out. <laughs> no, and I mean, I feel like right now, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know what's going on. <clears throat> sorry. Um, there's been a lot of discussion lately about canceling student loan debt. And I feel like that conversation is really um, prevalent right now. And you talk a lot about how the um, the need or perceived need for college has really changed that college is now kind of how people used to think about high school. Um, and I'd love for you to talk about that shift and how this, again, perceived need for more education um, has perhaps like made people less likely to achieve their financial goals because they're taking on so much debt. Yes, it's really interesting when you look back at the history of, you know, where did this idea that everyone goes to college comes from, come from? And when I say um, the first step was finishing school in the 50s, like, that often meant high school because right. you could have a high school degree. You could, you know, work a good union job. You could have a car. You could have a house by a lake. You know, you could have a great middle class life. And then... This really started with the GI Bill, which I think people, I mean, it's what I knew it as, you know, the bill that provided tuition um, free to uh, people in the military who'd served in World War II. But again, that that usually meant white men. Um, so they started to get their tuition paid for, and they just started to go to college in larger numbers. And then the government stepped in with, with even more ways to support people to go to college. You know, they funded um, people who had science and technology interests so they could help us in the Cold War against Russia. You know, they funded um, uh, people who didn't have enough money to pay for college so that they could start getting degrees in larger numbers. And so minorities and women did start to go to college in larger numbers. And then... Somewhere along the way, the government decided we shouldn't pay for this outright. We should have people take loans. And so that's where the government-backed loans started to come into play. And really, when they started, people were okay with them. 
Uh, this was in the late 70s, 80s, um, and pe- the credit card was becoming popular. So mm. people were getting more comfortable taking on this personal debt, and college seemed like a good investment. You know, you would you would get a better job if you had a college degree. But where we are now in our knowledge economy, um, you you need the degree no matter what. It's not. It's just seen as a prerequisite. It's not a better investment to a better life. It's something you have to have to even get your life started, allegedly. And so you find people who are taking on hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt to get these degrees. And we're told the more education, the better, you know, masters, PhDs. So I talked to several people from the book who, you know, one couple, um, the husband had a PhD, the woman had a master's, and they thought the husband would get a job after finishing his uh, PhD degree and he didn't and they just got married. And so they didn't have anywhere to go and they wound up living with their parents in their parents' retirement community, like a community for people 65 and older. That's where these two highly, highly educated people ended up. And, and she said, her name is Lucy in the book. Um, and she says, you know, we had so many advantages. We had all of these advantages and we still ended up back with my parents you know, and so they're starting from all of the advantages and still had to go back and live with her parents with these two prestigious degrees. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's just become part of it. You know, you have to get the degree. There's another character, Charles, in the book who I talked about a little bit earlier. He has two years he's completed. He's gotten his associate's degree and he's working. He works at a bank. He's a mortgage officer. Um, but they won't let him advance because he hasn't finished his degree. And they don't tell him that outright. But, you know, mm-hmm. he gets passed over for jobs and he sees that the person who got the job has completed their degree. So he's basically doing the job, but also trying to get the degree at night so he can keep doing the job that he's doing. And you just look at that and think, why do you really need this? Right. Can we talk a little bit about like the cult of productivity and rise and grind culture and side hustles and turning your side hustles into your main hustle? Like all this kind of romanticized, Instagrammable um, experience that focuses on productivity and it's so visible and I, and at what cost? Yes, we can absolutely talk about this because I've thought about it a lot. Um, like I said earlier, I I got laid off and that really freed me in a certain sense to not follow this, you know, lockstep path that I thought I was going to be on in my 30s. But it also, like, I couldn't let go of the notion that hard work would get me to some place where I could take a breath, where yes. I could exhale, feel like my career was safe, feel like it wasn't going to go anywhere and that I just would have some room to rest. And I did not find that. And I don't think that many people do. You know, we work all of the time. And even I've been thinking about this because of the pandemic, because um, you can trace a little bit of our work all the time ethos to tech companies you know, we got snacks to stay at our desk. We got massages. You know, there's a chef who makes you lunch. Like I've had a couple of those jobs where you're really encouraged to stay. 
because of how lovely it is in the office. And, and the feeling is, is like whatever you're going to do outside here isn't as important as what you're doing in here. Um, but now, since many, many of us are now in our homes and <laughs> we had to make our own lunch and figure out our own snacks, but I still think we're working all the time. You know, I don't think that that has changed since even though they took away, you know, all of the perks you might have gotten inside the office building. Um, someone tweeted, and I love this tweet, and it's in the book, um, weekends are great because I get more work done. <laughs> I'm not doing that justice. It's funnier than that, but um, it just really resonated. It's like weekends are the time oh I have to get more work done. <laughs> Um, but the truth is, is I don't know that there is a stopping point. It's sort of like, I think people are looking up and questioning, like, where is all this work going to get me? Because, I mean, I'm really ambitious, but I am starting to question, like, well, what is the point of this ambition? You know, I, do, I don't know exactly where it's going to get me. And so I've really had to just try to enjoy the work and what I'm doing and and let that be enough. And it, it's hard to do because, you know, you want it to result in something. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something that I've grappled with. I talk about it in my book too. And it, it, it is a strange thing to kind of have to confront. So we're just going to take a short break and we will be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm. Okay. Which is okay. I know. Visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel. I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. 
After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. And please support our show and tell them we sent you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, we're back. Kayleen, I'd love to talk about the phrase, but you're still so young, (laughs) (laughs) um, which is the title of your book. And I, you know, I had never really thought about it's the insidiousness of that phrase until you really kind of went into it (laughs) um, in, in your book. And I'd love for you to talk about it's kind of the the loaded social expectations of that phrase, but you're still so young. Yes. Um, it, 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 it's funny because, but you're still so young can go either way. You know, it can be a positive or it can mm. be a, like a real neg. <laughs> um, I, it took me forever to figure out what to call this book. Yeah, I just, it, it's... I just didn't have a title. Honestly, it took years to come up with the right title for this book. Mm. And someone said it in passing and I thought, Oh, that that's it. And, but you're still so young. Mm. No one uh, younger than you would say this to you. You know, it's always someone older saying to you, but you're still so young. You have time, keep going. And I think in one sense it is true. You know, you are young, you do have time, you can keep going. And saying that to yourself is a pep talk, you know, and you look in the mirror and be like, what am I doing with my life? It's, it's not a bad thing to take a breath and, and know that you're okay, what, what you're doing in the current moment, like you're doing what's right for you. Yeah. But I also think it's like, it's also someone will say to you, but you're still so young. And it's like, am I? Am I that young? I don't think I'm that young. Um, it's a, one of my favorite parts of Wedding Crashers um, is when <laughs> they're sitting on the steps of uh, the Washington or the Lincoln Memorial, and uh, they're they're clinking champagne from the night before, and um, one of them says to the other, "You know, we're just we're just a couple young guys. You know, we'll look back on this and say we're just young and having fun." And the other one is like, "We're not that young." <laughs> It's like, that's, I mean, it's, it's exactly what the thirties feel like. You know, you, you should feel young enough to have all of this possibility and all of these great moments in front of you. But there is this constant questioning of, am I doing this right? Am I on time? Am I alone? Am I the only one who feels this way? And so I, there, yeah, there's a lot in that little phrase. The other, the other thing I, I hear now a lot is when I tell people my age, which is 41, I get, oh, but, oh, you don't look it (laughs) as if it's being a bad, it's as if 41 is negative and like, I'm, don't worry, you've convinced me that you're not. And that's, it's, but it still kind of plays into this, that idea of youth being desirable. And I think especially to like 
career success at a young age is so fetishized fetishized i can never say fetishized correctly thank you (laughs) it's really fetishized in our culture like I, i will i will my whole life have sat and read like forbes 30 under 30 and you're just like what the fuck is wrong with me like you know there's just so much um we're just horny for productive young people, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And it's exhausting for all of us. It's fascinating. First of all, I, I did want to tell you guys that I, when you called this podcast Forever 35, she's like, yes, exactly. 35 is a wonderful age because I think people younger than 35 look at 35 and think like, ah, 35. That's, and it's just, it's this age that's still filled with so much possibility and so much of your life that you have yet to go and figure out. And like, it's just a cool age, but all other ages are cool too. I don't mean to say that, you know, if you're (laughs) older than 35, as I am, you know, you, you need to go back there. I just think it's neat that you were pulling out 35 because those lists are, you know, 20 under 20 or, like, you know, 30 under 30. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, one of the characters in my book, he says, you know, when I was 20 and someone told me they were 31, I thought that was so old and oh, now God, he's yeah. 31 and he doesn't feel old at all. And so I think you know, when you get there, you you don't you look at yourself and you're like well I don't you know I've, I I still got a lot of life left yeah <laughs> I'm still good yeah. here at this age yeah Ugh. um Kayleen mm. your life yeah. is a rom com <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I don't. I, there's no way to really talk about this without kind of spoilers. Oh yeah, like it's a fun storyline in the book. Okay, it's let's a- just say this: I love. I read romance. I write romantic comedies, and I was enthralled by your. Really? Yes, and uh, then I, so cool. okay. I texted Dory, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm turned this into a, ro- a romantic comedy in my head." And she was <laughs> like, "I can't stop thinking about it." <laughs> yeah, I went on your Instagram. I had to know everything. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I don't want to, I mean, you, obviously, you know, my Instagram's out there. I don't want to spoil it. But um, I did turn, like, I knew while I was doing it that I was like, is a monkey drunk on rom-coms in charge of my brain? Like, <laughs> what am I doing? How is this going to work out? Um, but, you know. I think in the same rom-com vein, it has a happy ending. Yeah. Uh, Can I ask you, and if you're curious, you can, you can read Kayleen's book. Yeah, (laughs) Kayleen, we usually start with this question, but we, we kind of got into things right away, but we need to know what is a self-care practice that you have right now that kind of brings you a sense of calm or joy? Yeah. I was expecting us to talk about this right at the end. Yeah, um, surprise. Your book was too good. Are, yeah, we usually do. But, you know, we had so much to talk about that we just kind of got into it. That's great. Um, I was going to tell you guys about my push-ups, which I, like, I can't even believe that I'm going around talking about push-ups. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not something I ever thought that I would be talking about um, or, or frankly doing. But um, since March 24th of 2020, um, 
a couple weeks after lockdown started, uh, a friend of mine emailed from San Francisco uh, to about 30 people and said, we're going to do this push-up challenge. Um, guys have to do 150 push-ups a day. And then Ooh. he said, girls have to do 50 push-ups a day. And um, my best friend, Ruthie, who is in both of these books and is marvelous person, um, wrote right back and was like, or sorry, she signed her name up on the spreadsheet as Ruthie, adult, 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 wait, adult women are not girls or something like that. Now yes, I'm messing up her phrasing, but it was like that. It was like a pointed, you know, jab at calling us girls. Um, but also we didn't complain that we had to do 50 and men had to do 150. Cause like, you know, <laughs> I didn't want to do 150, but um, I didn't know if I could do it. Uh, and I couldn't do it at first. Yeah. I did them on my knees. I did sets of 10. It took me hours. I just kind of like tried to do it. Um, but as as it continued, um, we just got really into it. Like we were, you know, like push up bros. <laughs> I was like, "Did you do your reps?" Yeah, I did my reps. Like, um, and it, it was fun. Like, you, fun is maybe an overstatement. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm like getting really into the story. But uh, it felt nice just to lift and lower my body fifty times a day. Um, so I've kept doing it. So since March 24th, I have done 50 push-ups every day. It took me a long time to stop doing them on my knees. Uh, but I gradually, you know, moved to doing like a couple in each set, you know, in a plank. And then now I do all of them in a plank and I, I still do them. I mean, I'm going to quit eventually. You know, I'm not going to do 50 push-ups a day forever. But for now, you know, it, it's... It's something just to do every day. You know, if I don't leave the house, I still do my 50 push-ups. you know, or I don't, I don't like wow. doing at-home wor- workouts very much. So like I just do my 50 push-ups, and, and I do feel stronger and there's something cool about that. Does your partner also participate in this challenge or are you the only member of your household? No, he quit a month <laughs> ago. Like I don't even know. And then he tried to restart and that lasted like a few days. <laughs> Oh my so, gosh. Yeah, no, I I'm the only one who keeps doing them. You know what I I really like about your practice? I thought you were going to say when you initially said push-ups that you start with one and then you did two the next day like and you kept adding, but it's been this kind of consistent number and so kind of tying into what your book is about like achievement, this kind of like constant changing measure of achievement is not a practice here. It's just like I do this one thing and I'm getting better at it and it's changed. I'm changing how I do it, but it's the same every day. Like there's something very soothing about that, that I like. Yeah, me too. I think that's why I keep returning to it. Like it's, it's just one thing that, that I do you know, every, every single day. I do 50 push-ups. <laughs> is it at <laughs> a certain time? Like, is it I in the morning? Uh, I always want to do them earlier, but it's always in the evening. And I mean, literally some nights, this this is going to make me sound totally crazy, but I'll tell you guys. I have been laying in bed, like ready to go to sleep and been like, shit, I didn't do my reps. I have to do my push-ups. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm not just going to fall asleep. Like that's not going to happen. So I literally stumble out of bed (laughs) and do my 50 push-ups and then go back to sleep. Like that's how committed I am. Wow. I admire that I, so I much. I respect this. Yeah, seriously. Thanks, guys. Um, 
And let's also hear about your skincare routine. Let's hear what's going on. Or your hair care, because I, I believe I read an article about your hair practices that I was very curious about. Oh, you'll have to tell me which one. So I did work for a long time as a beauty editor and I, and I write about beauty still. Um, but I do think like as a backlash to that, I keep it pretty simple with the products. Um, so, you know, I use my fresh, um, soy cleanser, which I love. Um, That's like big icon of the cleansers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's wonderful. Um, I use a prescription Retin-A, which I know people feel, you know, two ways about. And I think they're over-the-counter products that work just as well. But for me, I just, you know, the prescription one works for me just fine. Um, I'm using Aquaphor a lot on my face right You're now. You're speaking Kate's language. Hello, here oh, it is. Amazing. Yes, absolutely. I have a, that same bottle near me at all times. Um, I have been using uh, Gucci Westman's blush stick. Uh, and petal for zoom calls just to make me like you know have a little like life on my face and petal I think is a really good universal shade it just it like just makes everybody just look a little glowier um I care a lot about my eyebrows um so I use a brow gel and um I fill them in and the brow gel I I use Glossier's boy brow but tweezer man also makes a really good um, brow mousse that I didn't know about. Mm. And I was like, oh, you know, I use the tweezers, but I didn't know they also made the brow gel. Um, and then Sonia's Brow Bar is an excellent pencil if you're trying to get into pencils. I'm like the mechanical uh, brow pencil pusher to all my friends. I'm like, just take one, just try it. <laughs> and then they're like, I used that brow pencil. I really liked it. <laughs> uh, so that's fun. And then I, I always use the, um, the fresh sugar honey lip balm. I have so many shades of them. And I always Oh, those are so mm-hmm. nice. Another classic. I, uh, yeah, I have that in like a, a berry and it's lasts forever and it always looks good and it feels mm-hmm. good. Yeah, exactly. Um and then I think a carryover from the beauty. The only thing I really have a ton of still is fragrance, which I just love mm. fragrance that I tend to wear too much of it and I'm sort of like, eh, if you don't like it, you can deal cuz it's fun to put it all on. Um, and I'll put yeah. it on now, like, you know, if I'm going for a walk or if I'm going to the coffee shop, you know, there's nowhere to wear fragrance to really anymore, but I still like to spritz it on. Um, and I use, um, I really like the Byredo scents, um, Rose mm. of No Man's Land. That one's great. Uh, Victor and Ralph Flower Bomb is a huge favorite scent of mine. Um, I mean, I have a lot of perfumes. <laughs> I, I wear perfume it. every day. You do? I do. Yeah, I don't know why. I, yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm not going anywhere. I, but I, I just always fragrance is like one thing I do every day. I don't know. I just like mm-hmm. it. I like how it smells. It's not for anybody else. I think. Completely same. I like to be in a cloud of scent. My mm-hmm. own personal <laughs> scent cloud. Exactly. Oh <laughs> uh, well, this has just been wonderful to get to talk to you, Kayleen. Seriously, thank you so much. You guys too. This was great. Thank you for having me on. Um, we need to share with our listeners where they can find you on the social media and also where, I mean, you can purchase your books wherever books are sold, but remind us of their titles, if you will. Uh, But You're Still So Young is my new book. And it's about how 30-somethings are redefining adulthood. And then Text Me When You Get Home is my first book. And it's about the power and glory of female friendship. Um, And I'm on Twitter at Kayleener, so my first name and then E-R. And then my Instagram is I know Kayleen. And I have a website, KayleenShaper.com. 
Great. Thank you so much, Kayleen. Oh, thank you guys. And yeah, good luck with everything. And Dory, I'll be very excited when your book comes out. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, mm. We're here. I, I mean, we said this before and we said this during the interview, but I, I did really enjoy Kayleen's book. Yeah, I did too, especially, and we don't want to give any spoilers away, but like her own personal story throughout the yes. book is fascinating. It is fascinating. And she, she does a good job kind of weaving it into yeah. the rest of the, of the stories that she, that she writes about. So yeah, it's, it's a, a really pleasurable nonfiction read. You know, it has that kind of like storytelling, cre- yes. creative nonfiction vibe. It's really, yes. really great. Yes, yes. Well, hmm. speak Kate. Of- writing. Yeah. How's your how's your workspace? Oh my gosh. Okay, so I cleaned it up. I was so proud of myself. I immediately trashed it like the following day. And I, I like I've mentioned on the show, so I'm revising my uh, first book that'll come out next year and working kind of around the clock on it and like doing a lot of things like eating yogurt at my desk and then leaving it mm. the container out for 3 days. Mm-hmm. Like right now there is a bowl of soup I'm going to eat just sitting here staring at me. Do you have a fridge and or microwave in your office? Oh, I have all that and a sink, Dory. And I still just, oh. it's just nasty. I just am not, like at the end of the week, I wash all the dishes that I bring out here. I'm, it's, there's books, there's papers, there's cough drops, there's two water bottles, a mug, a box of tea, tissues, a shirt, aquaphor, uh, pens, salt. I mean, I mean look, it could go on. That's the half of the things on my desk right now. I mean, it's just is what it is. And I'm going to, I'm going to keep working on it. As someone whose desk is also cluttered, I really see you on this. It might just be who I am. I know? know. I've kind of come to that conclusion too, yeah. but it's like, it's kind of an exhausting and overwhelming way to be. <laughs> yes. It's not like, Every morning when I come in to start working, I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. Is that really like a dirty spoon just sitting right next to my keyboard? I guess it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 41 years old. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, what is your intention for this week? Pray okay, tell. Okay, so my husband doesn't know this, but my intention oh. is to spend time with him because he's also super stressed out with work. And all of this is exacerbated by like the weird logistics of quarantine. Like right now we are out working and our kids are inside playing Roblox and they're going to be doing that for the next three hours because we like that's going to be our childcare for this afternoon. So um, and to be clear, we have hired like uh, someone to come in and provide childcare for times that we need it. But like it's still, you know, it's never enough and it's still so so the iPads are the childcare right now. So anyway, so everything is weird. But I was like, you know, I just want to like sit and watch a movie or a show with him and like hang out and relax and get to spend time with him where we're not like doing the dishes together or like coordinating our work schedules or like figuring out who's going to walk the dog and who's going to break down the cardboard. You know, like mm-hmm. the relationship becomes so much about like the business logistics of getting everything done. Yep. And I just want to my intention is just to find time to just be together with him. Oh, that's so nice. Again, he doesn't know this, but he'll find What if he's like, okay. What if he's like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and ghosts you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we had, you know, I think part of it is like we had Cobra Kai as a show. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun because we could like 
watch it and like laugh at it, but we also were really into it. So I, I feel like we need another. We watched Palm Springs recently. Like I feel like a a show really gets us going. You know, gives us okay. Something. Okay. Have you watched What We Do in the Shadows? No, that I that could be a him. show. That could he be was, a show. Matt and I that you know Matt and I do not have much overlap when it comes to TV right. and movie taste, and we both loved What We Do in the Shadows. Okay, I loved that. It's so funny. It's you know so what? funny. You know what else I thought he might like? And so weird. It's okay. so weird. <laughs> okay, I'll pitch it. Yeah, pitch it. I also thought he might like um, Call My Agent. Uh, and I'm not that far into uh, it that I couldn't re like he's re- gone back and rewatched shows for me. Yeah. So I was like, well, we could maybe see if he's down for some France TV. Yeah. Nobody says mm. that. Okay. Anyway, Dory, tell me about your week. What do you have planned? Well, you know, I, last week I was going to take care of some tax stuff and I just didn't. Uh, my parents came to visit. I just felt I had no free time. So in addition to needing to deal with that this week, I also intend to practice the piano. Well, I cannot wait to hear how your first piano lesson goes. I'm excited. I am too. Or you're going to give us an update on the next episode, right? I am. Maybe like after a few lessons, you could play some like music that plays us off at the end of the episode when we say the closing words. Should I learn how to play our theme song on the piano? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yes, please. I would be, I would die because it's such a weird little, t- it's that. I know. Ditty. I know. I also love when people are like, I heard your theme song on some like random YouTube video. And we're like, yes. yeah, because we used free music, <laughs> random <laughs> free music we chose in December and now 2017. We're like locked into <laughs> forever. <laughs> It is not a song someone wrote for us. It is literally Sammy found it for us on the internet. Thank you, Sammy. Yeah. All right. right. Well, Well, Kate, this has been a pleasure. And I just want to remind everyone that Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dori Shafrir, and you, Kate Spencer, produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Sam Reed is our project manager and our network partner is ACAST. We will talk to you all again. Thanks. Bye. Bye.